0: Hey there, welcome back to Full Live Athlete Pastor Channel, Day 33, Exodus 29 and 30, and Matthew 21, 23 through 46 is our text today. Let's go ahead and keep moving through it. If you notice, there is all this talk about the tabernacle and the priests and what they're wearing and how they're going to get ordained and all these instruments in there, the all, the incense and the basins and everything. Well. Our theme today is going to be about God's presence. There is a view of this world where we look at all the things that God's made and we wonder at it and we might reason. Look at the stars, look at the sky, look at the mountains, look at even the, the way we're made and we look at ourselves and we think, well, there must be a creator. We reason and we think there must be a creator and I would tell you, There's nothing more sad than that conclusion, there must be a God. Because you know what? There is a God. And that God not only made us, but he's made us to dwell with him. And he is dwelling with us. So to have to reason to that and pontificate about it is about the saddest exercise i could ever engage in i know many people speak like that uh, and speak as if god's sort of creator sure he's he's a god there must be a god and he's ordained all these things uh to to come together And, and he's just kind of letting this earth go and and until it burns out or whatever but let me read to you uh exodus 29 and it says I will consecrate this tent of meeting in the altar, and I will consecrate Aaron and the sons to serve as priests. I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of Egypt, so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. He dwells among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people." This is the reality we're made for. He has to, though, because we live in a broken, sinful world and we are sinful people whose hearts are darkened and our minds are darkened, we need symbols like this. We need consecration to teach us that we are a holy people and God's a holy God and He dwells with us. And so, therefore, we got to be consecrated. Now, like we said the other day, if we do not, if we do Do not realize that a sinner cannot touch God or stand in His presence without being zapped. Uh, We are in danger. We're in danger of being crushed by the glory of God. But someone who's in a state of grace, which is represented by this ordination, uh, that God will pass by our sins because of a mediator, if we are in a state of grace, what does God do? He throws a party for us. He welcomes us. he rejoices in us and dwells with us and that's what Christ he comes to dwell amongst us and be our be the one who's going to mediate between us as sinners uh, and he's going to be in flesh and, and take on all that is us to be all that is to be us but then he's going to do so without sin so he can represent us truly to the father and bring us into his presence and the great news of the gospel is that this holy spirit brings us into fellowship with him You think about God, he didn't need all this tabernacle stuff. He didn't need to have a tent, right? He didn't need to have all these things, but he does so in order to teach us that we're to dwell with him and that he dwells with us. So this is a God who dwells everywhere. He's going to symbolize his local presence with us through a tabernacle because this is what we're marching towards. This is the great news is that we once knew this, obviously, because Adam lived with God. But then we've been kicked out of his presence through sin. The wages of sin is death, remember? and, and the, But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we can receive that through faith. Well, what do, we, what do we get when we get God? Well, the climax of human history is this heavenly Jerusalem descending. That God lives in the presence of his people. We live with God forevermore. This is the good news. And you must reckon with this. Why is this important that these people are consecrated? Why is it important that God dwells in a tent? Well, He's going to uh, bring us back into fellowship with Him. How does He do it? Well, Jesus slyly does it. He says that foxes foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. So, foxes have holes, but He's going to become lower than a fox. He's going to become homeless... Uh, God has a home in heaven and he's going to leave it and dwell homelessly so that he could bring us home. And that's a sly way of doing it. He's going to tabernacle amongst us and dwell with us so that we can um, be his and he can be ours. And I think that's something we must must not take for granted that Jesus is going to in the only way he can um, bring us to the city that we could never build ourselves, a tabernacle not made with human hands uh, in this eternal heavenly city. And so as long as we're on oath we're, we're still homeless, we're still pilgrims looking for home but that day is coming to where we'll be in our heavenly calling. Now this tent of meeting, all these instruments were regulated by God and the oil uh, shall not be put on the ordinary person or the outsider. It says there in verse 30 or chapter 30, uh, under penalty of being cut off from the people. Well, uh, this oil uh, is ultimately going to represent the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, so, essentially, there's no common people or, or outsiders if you're in Christ. Uh, the only way to be an outsider is to be outside of Christ. So, you and I can be insiders through... Faith in Jesus. We who are far off, and we who are sinful and excluded from the presence of God, and from the heavenly city, can become citizens of this heavenly city through faith. Let me get to the Matthew 21 real quick, and we'll give you uh, just a quick uh, overview of one of the parables. We could say infinitely. Uh, we could speak of words. We could add it forever. We could talk about these things forever more. Uh, but just this parable that of the tenants is very important. Uh, it, it starts out with a with a landowner who sets up this vineyard, and then he goes off to a far country to do other things, probably, and then he sends, uh, or he puts these uh, people in charge of his, of his um, vineyard. Well, then he's going to send representatives every year when the harvest comes in to get some fruit and bring it back to him, right, uh, to, to benefit from some of his uh, uh, investment here. Well, they think, well, who, what's this guy going to do? Uh, who, who's really the boss here? We have, we're in control. So we, they're going to take the servant and beat him up and send him off and be like, "Hey, don't even bother coming back because this is ours now." Think about how how beautiful that or how you know fitting that that tale is that Jesus tells. Uh, he's entered into Jerusalem, and they're going to treat the Son of God, the true owner of all things, like an enemy. They're going to crucify him, and and that's how we we that's how we treat God we would crucify him rather than welcome him Uh, we would say hey this is our land this is ours Um, you know we act as if we're not even created we act as if we're autonomous and the kings here and deny God's existence well that's how grace is so amazing is that the one who is crushed for our sins and bruised for our iniquities will be this stone that will become our cornerstone, it will be built upon Him through faith. And it's a, ma- a magic, majestic thing. He, he quotes here Psalm 118 in that. And, and it says that uh, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So we're either going to be built upon Christ or we're going to be crushed. There's no two ways to salvation. There's only one. It's through Jesus Christ alone. He is the only one who brings us to the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So when the chief priest, it says here at the end of the chapter, and the Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that He was speaking about them. It says in verse 46, although they were seeking to arrest Him, they feared the crowds because they held Him to be a prophet. They desperately desired to kill Jesus. How do you feel about Jesus? What is your posture towards Jesus? You can't kill Him again. You can't. He's already been killed once and he rose on the third day. It is of the utmost importance that you accept Jesus as your Lord and dwell with God forever when that day comes. We're groaning and we're longing for that day right now. We're not there. We're still pilgrims. But the day will come and we'll either uh, rest upon him, rest upon Jesus' breast, his bosom, so to speak, or we will be crushed as he falls upon us you either got to relate to him in a state of salvation or a state of judgment well there it is guys that's today uh 33 if you're watching this far go ahead and like it Uh, if you hate it i'm sorry Uh, you must uh, reckon with this Uh, this will not be popular Uh, it is a a gospel that uh, paul had to apologize for and say i'm not ashamed of uh, because it is something that uh, people view as foolishness and offensive And it is, uh, because we have offended God, and and there's only one way out of it. Uh, We have to confess our sins and turn to Him. All right, so again, if you're watching this far, like it, leave some comments and questions. We can't talk about it all in every video, but I want to give you a primer, a little review, or preview for the reading. Keep reading the Bible. It's well worth your time and, and well worth the effort to get into it and know this story and know how we fit into redemptive history in Christ. Okay, God bless you. Take care. We'll see you on day 34.